You're listening to Made for Living Well, episode number 255, and today we're talking all about women's libido. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Schur, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to Made for Living Well. As always, this is a place where I really believe health is inside of you. My name's Alexa Sherm, and I am a nutritionist on a mission to change the narrative around health and really about your life. And this summer, I'm doing that by talking about sexual wellness and why sexual wellness is important in the whole of who you are. Today is episode number two in the series, and if you missed the first episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Now, today we're talking all about women's libido, which, by the way, is just as important for men to understand as it is for women. So if you have a male in your life, you're going to want to share this podcast with them so they can better understand how the female body works and female desire and libido. Next week on the show, we're going to talk all about the man's libido. Now, ironically, you're going to learn that a woman's libido is not actually less than a man's. It's just different. And I can't wait to dive into today's show. But before we get there, I do want to remind you that we have some amazing podcast sponsors for the summer series, including Athletic Greens. Now, last week, I talked all about Athletic Greens, but I just have to say I am loving the energized feeling that I get every single morning that I wake up and take my AG1 Greens. Honestly, I've never been a big coffee drinker, but I have loved a dose of caffeine first thing in the morning like so many people. I just happened to get it with my morning tea. But ever since I started this green powders, even outside the morning love and water trend, I have found an abundant sort of energy. Yeah, I still have my tea, but I drink it more for pleasure rather than a need. Where I'm really gaining that energy and that vibrant sort of health is inside the greens, which are loaded with over 75 different nutrients, probiotics, prebiotics, and even adaptogens that are working to healthify the whole of who we are. Trust me, I've been in this business a long time and I've seen a lot of product, but hands down, this one takes the top seed personally for me. And honestly, it has allowed me to get rid of so many extra vitamins and minerals that I no longer have to purchase or need. If you haven't yet, I definitely recommend you try it out for even just 30 days. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash living well to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It really is one of those game-changing things. While you're checking it out, don't forget to check out all of the podcasts and blog posts that go along with the sexual health series over at thelivingwell.com. You can also pick up that free download at thelivingwell.com backslash the sex talk to grab the free sexual wellness guide for men and one for women over again at thelivingwell.com backslash the sex talk. And now let's get right to today's show talking all about women's libido. Okay, today we're talking all about libido. Now, specifically a woman's libido, which is very different than a man's libido. Next week, we're gonna talk more about the male, the male libido, male hormones, and things that can help it and harm it. It's going to be a podcast for both females and males because I think equally we need to understand the other person's body in order to have healthy sexual relationships. 
I think that's one of the downfalls as we talk about sexual wellness is that we just don't understand the other sex well enough to understand how to equally nourish and support them. Now, we're going to talk about it both ways because while I don't think we've done a good job in our culture of supporting a women's libido and women's sexual health, in fact, I mean, I would flat out say we've failed women in some way, I also think men often get thrown under the bus or put into these big generalized categories, which aren't always true as well. So if you're listening to this, you should recommend your spouse, your friends to listen as well. And no, just because we're talking about women, I mean, it's fair to say we all need to understand both sides to truly understand how we can develop a better connection. Now, today we're talking specifically about the women's libido, which anytime we get into a sex discussion or a libido discussion, this is so personal. And I don't want to be the person on this series or ever to generalize your health into a system or a box. Because what we know about health is it's constantly changing, and so is your libido. And if I had one big point that I want to make in this podcast, when we talk about your libido, it's not about getting it. It's not about like necessarily increasing it. It's really about finding it and cultivating it. Because libido is not outside of us. It's not something that's going to be found in external stimulus, but it's actually inside of you. But I think that's gotten lost in the messaging that's made us believe that somehow, one, we have a bad libido, especially as women, right? Like that women don't have a libido or it's poor or not as high as a man's libido, which is actually untrue. Or in order to fix it, we need to look outside of ourselves, which has been the traditional health model is that it must not be inside of you. So go outside in search of it. And I think when we do this, we open the door for a lot of really damaging things. In the short term, could they help increase your libido? I mean, yeah. Let's use pornography, for instance, right? You could say on some level, that's going to arouse any human being because that's a natural part of our process. It's the same thing goes when we see someone attractive or, you know, we witness a sort of connection. It's not necessarily that that is wrong. It's a necessary and natural desire for humans to want a connection. However, we have to understand that the belief that you have to look at something externally or you have to do something outside of you to increase your libido is very untrue and damaging. We should not need external things to fix our internal issues. If you do this, it almost becomes a dependence. You almost start to rely on it and we start to see some addictions start to form. We're gonna talk about that in another podcast in this series, but I do want to make the big point again. It's natural to feel arousal when you see something. That's always going to happen inside of us because that's a natural process of the human body. It's how we act on that that is going to change how our body responds, whether in health or out of health. Your libido is how you cultivate it. It's not necessarily about going outside of you and trying to find it, but it's in you. It's learning how to nurture it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the big point in understanding how to nurture your libido is understanding that your libido is one of the few functions in the body that actually connects the whole of who you are. And this is really one of the reasons why I wanted to do the sex talk was because I understand that sexual wellness is not just about the physical body. 
Yes, some ways we've dumbed it down to that level, but really, if we look at the bigger scope of that, sexual wellness and the act of intercourse and intimacy and connection, like libido and your sex drive and sexual wellness is about connection. It's about creativity. It's about nurturing the whole of who you are, and it flows through your body, mind, and soul. Like there was a creator who created pleasure inside of us and gave us a drive for connection and and communicating with other people. And it's your sexual wellness that actually creates a healthy desire for those things and uses that inside of your body, creates this energy inside of your body that is very healthy and healing and something that we should all desire and use to live a healthier life. So, Sexual wellness, your libido, it's kind of like this triune connection. It's this connection of creativity, your connectiveness, and really it becomes a life force for your body. We know in the research that people who have a healthy sexual wellness patterns are not only just like sexually active, but they tend to be deep thinkers, they tend to be creative able to dream, really to see outside of the box, they just have a bigger view of life, not necessarily this closed off scarcity mindset. I think when we really understand this, it comes back to a nervous system response. And what's fascinating is, is that our libido is generally a good indicator or like a vital sign to your body about how it's going to show up in life. So your libido is really constantly taking a temperature of your body, of how safe am I or how unsafe am I? Because what we know about the survival response is that reproduction is not necessary for survival. Yes, the survival of the human race, but not the survival of the individual. And when our body starts to feel threatened by outside things, we really start to shut off unnecessary processes needed for immediate survival. And one of those processes is the ability to reproduce, right? Your libido's drive is most often for that need or that desire to reproduce, to connect. And when you're threatened by survival, you don't have the energy to lose doing an unnecessary process for immediate survival. So your reproductive ability shuts off. And as the research shows, this is one of the leading reasons why women and men struggle so much with fertility is that our elevated stress levels or our elevated survival response has taken over and has diminished our ability to open up to be able to receive what it takes to become fertile and to conceive a child. Now, your libido is not just obviously boiled down to when you're most fertile because we also recognize that menopausal women should have a really healthy sex life and should have a really great libido. Because again, libido is not just about sex. It's about nurturing life. It's about connectedness and creativity. So it's really about how are we going to show up in the world? And again, this showing up in the world is really going to be dependent on, am I safe? Am I protected? Do I feel cared for physically and emotionally in a way that I can open up? Or do I feel like I'm insecure, life is unstable, and I don't feel safe? Because when it comes to a woman, our needs are really built in this need for safety, stability, and security. 
And if we don't have those things or those things feel threatened, we're naturally gonna close up and shut down and really start to store, hoard, and conserve our energy, which reduces the energy that our body needs to function in these kind of thriving ways of having a healthy digestive system, having a great immune response, having enough energy to really be creative and connect with other people and have a great sex life. So we really have to go back to understand how are we responding to the world around us? Because how we're responding or how we're showing up in the world is a great indicator of your overall libido. Again, it's just another vital sign to recognize how balanced or out of balanced our life might be. With the goal always being trying to create a sense of balance because in a sense of balance comes this opening up of this energy flow that helps us to then live. It helps us to feel good, to have a great libido, which is always, like all functions in the body, about how much energy you have. Now, I'm not talking about woo-woo energy, although there are a lot of sexual practices that I know that can get into that, and there's an element where it's understandable when we look at all energy as a means of how do you feel? Now, I'm not gonna get into energy because we have entire podcasts all about that, and I'll link some up in the show notes. But really, the energy that I'm talking about is how do you feel? Like, do you feel like you have energy to go for a walk? Do you feel like you have energy to do your job, to be creative, to want to go out and connect with other people? If you don't feel like you have the energy, if you just want to stay at home and hibernate and you feel hungry and craving all the things, it's probably a sign that your body is lacking in energy. Like it doesn't actually have the nourishment and support that it needs And therefore, you're not going to have a libido because again, your libido is unnecessary unless you have the energy to actually create that connection and cultivate that creativity that libido is designed for. So I think that's the first point that I want to make in this whole libido issue. You have it inside of you. It's how are you cultivating that? And using your libido as a great vital sign to recognize how your body is showing up in the world. If you don't feel like you're being creative or that you're able to connect or you're able to even get yourself aroused, then there's probably some indicator that your body is out of balance. It's it's functioning in a stressed or survival state, which is also wrecking havoc on all the other processes of your body. Because if we really go back to your libido, it is really determined mostly by your adrenal glands. You know, a lot of people think it's, oh, my thyroid or my sex hormones. And yes, those play a part, but they're actually being controlled by your adrenals. Your adrenals are taking the temperature of the stress level of your life and your body. And if those stress levels are high, then it's going to signal back to your thyroid gland to release different hormones or less hormones or a different pattern of those hormones, which is then going to change the energy shift inside of your body again to correlate with the stress response. If you're in a highly stressed state, your body wants to store, hoard, and conserve energy, not open up and use that energy. And so you're going to see this natural decline in libido. And again, that's mostly related to your adrenal glands. Now, ironically, We're living in one of the most stressed times of our entire existence. However, I think that's mostly a perceived idea. Like we've been led to believe that we're living in really stressful times. Yes, it is stressful. But the more we focus on that, the less likely we are to get ourselves out of that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
But I really just want to come back to, again, what libido is. And and for women specifically, which is very different than a man in many, many cases, and we're going to talk about those here. And then, like I said, in the next episode, we're going to dive into a man's libido. But if we just go back to libido in general, I think, again, we have to understand that libido is not just about sex or the ability to climax or orgasm. Yes, those things are really beneficial in your health if done in the right way. But libido is so much bigger than that. And I think when we um, kind of dumb down libido and our sex drive and sexual health to the ability to achieve an orgasm, I think we miss a lot of components that are necessary and needed to really nurture the whole of who we are. I think when you have the ability to orgasm and reach climax and really feel it throughout your whole entire body, that's just a really great indicator that your body is in a healthy state. Because the ability to reach an orgasm really means that your body is able to rest and to relax and to be open and receiving Like we have to get our nervous system to a place where it is relaxed enough in order to actually achieve a pleasurable response. And this is where, you know, we can get into pain and trauma and all those things that happen to be stored a lot of times in the pelvic region, because again, it's just this closing off of being able to open and receiving. So one of the ways that uh, men and women differ in their libido is that women's libido is actually this desire to surrender. It's this desire to open up. It's this desire to receive. And you can think about this, I think, best understood in reproduction, right? Like when a man and woman uh, conceive, it takes the man giving something to the woman that she then has to receive in order for conception to happen. Now, again, that can seem really silly and strange, but it is really true. And, you know, the the ideal situation for a healthy libido is that you are able to open up to relax and to receive. It's, It's why the man goes inside of the woman, right? She's receiving that. Now, yes, you can be fertile outside of having a libido, and there's all kinds of issues that could be associated with that as well. But, but the overall idea, when we're looking at healthifying the libido, it is this opening up, it's this receiving, and it's being able to relax enough to do that. And again, that's different for a man because a man's libido is really more about giving. It's more about how they can provide. It's more about how they um, can give back and support and nurture the female. And we have this very messed up because, you know, in the act of sex, sometimes we're led to believe that a vagina should be the exact same way as a penis. And a male's libido is really quick. It's, it's this act of giving. They want to do that quickly where receiving takes a little bit more time. Just, just in general, that's human nature, right? And so we can't confuse the two. Like a woman and a man and their libidos are very different. In fact, it takes roughly a minute or two for a man's libido to increase where a woman, it can take 45 minutes to be fully aroused. Like, and by aroused, I mean for the vaginal tissue to be completely engorged and lubricated. Outside of a man, right? Like there's a huge difference between two minutes and 45 minutes, which again shows this need for nurturing. It shows this need for safety. And perhaps this is where the confusion comes in. It's why women often think, well, I just don't have a strong libido or I don't have a libido at all, which I think partly is untrue because they're just not giving themselves or you're not giving yourself enough time to actually experience the full arousal because we want or expect sex to be so quick as in an act. 
act, as in just a quickie, right? Or that we should just be able to show up as a man shows up because that's what we've been trained inside of our minds. But that's not how we work at all. We have to understand that it takes time and it takes an arousal, it takes um, paying attention, it takes fostering and nurturing our libido in order to become fully aroused. Now, I'm not saying the act of sex needs to take 45 minutes, but it does show that there's a lot needed outside the act of penetration to actually fully arouse a woman and to get her libido to a place where it's actually producing health benefits inside the body. Just an act of physical sex, making a woman act like a man or making her believe that, in a lot of cases, is creating more pain and trauma and it's taking away the health benefits. Because when we're expected to show up and perform within minutes, just like a man naturally can, it takes away all of the health benefits. And in fact, sometimes it can create a sense of a threat that shuts the body down, that makes this a scary thing, that makes women not feel loved, but used. And I don't want to make excuses for this, but I want us to be aware Because I think when we're aware, both men and women, of how a woman's body works and a man's body works, we can start to work together to nurture both sexes. Like we can work together to foster healthy sexual wellness in each other. This summer series is brought to you by Yarlap, a company that is near and dear to my heart, believing that every woman deserves to have a healthy pelvic floor. And let's be honest, it's a topic we need to have conversations about and address because the pelvic floor doesn't just affect your sexual health, but your entire way of life. And if you've ever struggled with incontinence, you know this. The Yarlap is an FDA-approved medical device designed to perform autokegels to help you get back urinary control and improve sexual performance and expression. Basically, it does the work for you which is amazing considering most people who attempt kegels don't perform them correctly. This device comes with different programs depending on whether you need help relaxing or strengthening your pelvic floor. In an applicator, you insert just like a tampon, turn on the device, pick your program, adjust your comfort, and let it work for you. I have personally been using Yardlap for the past two and a half years, and I have to say, I've experienced a number of health benefits. No other pelvic floor program has even touched what the Yardlap has done for me. Of course, it's helped heal my urinary incontinence that I've struggled with three babies later, but I also needed a lot of help in the relaxation department, helping to ease the muscles in my lower back and even my hips. They really are the perfect sponsor for this podcast series because as we'll learn throughout the 10-week series, your pelvic floor health is critical in your sexual wellness and pleasure. We're going to be talking about it all summer long, but I encourage you to check out Yarlap using the link thelivingwell.com backslash Yarlap. You can also use the code livingwell for $25 off your personal system. But if you still have more questions or are on the fence on how Yarlap can help you, I have to say they have the best customer support. You can call or contact them at any time and they will help create a program plan that works for you as well as answer any questions that you have. Tell them Alexa sent you and head to thelivingwell.com backslash Yarlap for all of the details. You must check them out. So we can't neglect that there's a lot happening when we talk about libido and sexual wellness outside the physical act of sex. Is that important? Is that critical? Of course. 
Our body craves connection. In fact, when we actually connect with someone, and it doesn't matter if it's the act of sex or just simply hugging someone else or cuddling, there's all different kinds of hormones that make you feel good, that make you feel loved and actually help you to relax. They help you to open up and be more receiving. And then when you do have physical intimacy and you do reach an orgasm, there are, again, another wave and another flood of hormones that's released in response to that. But they are going to vary depending upon how nourished your body is, how nourished your libido is outside of just the physical act of sex. And I think this is so fascinating because when we talk about women being fertile but not having a libido and like, what is that doing inside of the body? We have to remember that a healthy libido is always a sign of healthy nourishment. Now, nourishment means our body has energy, it has the nutrients, it feels safe, it feels open. Like naturally, it's in most cases, it's probably in a state of thriving where it feels really good. But we see that a lot of women are undernourished. And then the undernourished state, yes, they might still be able to conceive, but their libido is relatively gone. And when we have sex without a libido, it actually doesn't release the same response hormonally or enzymatically or through our nervous system that it would when we have a strong libido. And what I mean by that is that it's just not having the health benefit that it should be. We're not releasing as much oxytocin. It might be a little bit harder on our immune system. Instead of really being kind of this quote unquote gift that we received, it's really becoming another act of work that our body has to sort through. And I think in the process of this, like in the process of it being work, we reduce or lose our ability to orgasm. We reduce our ability to find pleasure and we take away kind of that reward system. We take away the oxytocin. We take away the dopamine, all of these responses that are really pleasurable for our system. So maybe better said, your libido is there for your pleasure. It is a gift for you to enjoy life and to see life and live life to the fullest. It's something that we should desire, not feel obligated to. And we mentioned that last week on the podcast with Carly, also known as the Christian sex educator, when we talk about how it is designed in all of our bodies and that we as females have an equal, if not higher desire and drive for sexual intimacy and even outside of sex, just a drive for connection in the world. Now, before we get into how to support your libido, I do want to make one more distinction between men and women's hormones. And that is the cyclical nature of both male and females and how those differ. A man naturally cycles on a 24-hour cycle. This makes it appear often like men have a higher libido. But I think the confusion comes in is that it's just more consistent in nature, not necessarily that it's higher. However, a woman's libido is more cyclical in nature, meaning it's there. There are times when it's high, even some would consider much higher than a man's libido, but then there's going to be times and periods throughout her cycle where it's going to look lower, which again gives us the idea that it's non-existent or not there or less than a man's. But really, it's just about a cyclical nature. So like a man, right, we all have these hormonal patterns. The male hormonal pattern is 24-hour cycle with its libido or their testosterone generally being at the highest point in the morning hours. A woman's libido is not going to be necessarily 
24-hour cycle, it's going to be more on the 28-day cycle. And the different phases of your menstrual cycle are going to ignite a different flow of energy, which is going to change your libido. Now, the highest point of your libido is always going to be around ovulation when your testosterone, your estrogen, and your progesterone all peak. That's a point when a woman's libido is really revving and Honestly, when we can see most women should have a higher libido or higher drive for sexual intimacy than men. However, after a woman gets done bleeding, you should start to see your libido increase from that point, even during menses when your body is actually bleeding. Some women have some of their strongest libido then. So we're gonna see this rise in sexual desire from the point when you start bleeding all the way up until ovulation. And again, that's just based on the flow of natural hormones that are being released. Of course, testosterone um, increases sexual drive and desire, but progesterone and the spike in that is going to help your body to relax. It's going to help you deal with stress. It's going to help you open up. And then estrogen is actually really critical for vaginal health and for lubrication and really preventing pain. And so as those rise, you're going to see your desire for sexual intimacy increase, as well as your libido. You should see your creativity, your energy, your connection all increase. After ovulation, when you start to move more into the cycle of menstruating, that is gonna be a point when you start to see your libido decline. And part of the reason for that is that's one of the points in your body when your body needs the most energy. It's using so much to either conceive to allow the embryo to stick to the uterine wall, or if you haven't conceived, it's going to start the process of trying to shed that uterine wall so that your body can repeat the process. So we'll see naturally just our drive and our desire and our libido all decline in that stage to the point where you start to bleed. And that's again, because your body is using so much energy. So we're going to see this ebb and flow in our libido throughout our cycle, and that's very, very natural. I don't want you to think that it's unhealthy if it's just lower at different points in your cycle. The unhealthy point is when you have no drive, when you have no libido at all, that's the point when we need to um, maybe question what else we could be doing to support the body. Now, on the flip side, I also want to note that just because you've ovulated and you're working to the point of menstruation, I don't want you to think, well, I just don't want it or my libido's gone. You can actually support your libido in this phase by making sure to add extra energy. I talk all about this in the Hormone Reset and how to kind of create these cycle syncing patterns that are going to really energize your body. So if you want to learn more about that, you can head on over there and I'll link some more information in the show notes. But increasing your libido at any point in your cycle always comes back to increasing the flood of energy inside of your body. Nourishment, 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 nourishment. It's always nourishment. Now, part of the cycling process and part of a woman's body is being prepared to reproduce, right? And and that takes a mass amount of energy and work. And one of the ways our body does this or prepares for this is that it's very in tune with stress responses. 
And so it's important to note that you're naturally going to be more responsive to stressful situations. Your body is going to be more reactive to change than maybe a man's body. It's why men tend to see change quicker, easier, faster, all the things that we get really angry about. But it's because they don't have to grow and protect a life inside of them. That is the female's job. And because it is our job and our role and a gift that we get to do, we also have to know that our body is going to be very reactive to life around us. Therefore, it doesn't like to handle stress quite as well as a man. And it's going to respond accordingly. So we have to be a little bit more careful about stressful situations or stressing our body. And I think a lot of us you know, stress our body in unhealthy ways because we've lost the ability to nurture ourselves. So I think understanding these patterns, these hormonal shifts that your body goes through is really critical in understanding and nurturing your libido and your health in general, recognizing that you will not handle stress as well as the male species, which means we can't do things like intense fasting or restricting excess amounts of calories or overworking or over-exercising. Those are all going to just completely crush your libido because your body is going to respond in such a big and powerful way. Again, this is all a gift that your body does in order to grow and to nurture and to feed another human. So when we look at some cycles of our life or some things that are maybe, you know, reducing our libido, of course, we can naturally go right to pregnancy and breastfeeding. Points in our life when our body is just trying to gather as much energy as it can. And I would say more critically, the time when you see your libido really decline is in the breastfeeding state. And that's because your your body is giving the baby mass amounts of energy. In fact, during pregnancy, some people estimate that there's about 10% of your total nourishment inside of your body goes to the baby, which equates to about four pounds of minerals. And breastfeeding is even more, increasing your need for calories and energy by up to 15 to 2,000 extra calories a day. I mean, it takes a lot of energy. And I think in the process of that, we cannot expect our bodies to bounce back to the quote unquote normal state as quickly as we do. This bounce back culture has got to end because it's destroying women's bodies. What women need is rest, extra nourishment, more support, and to realize it took 10 months to grow that human and it's going to take at least 10 months to refeed and re-nourish your body on the backside after you're done breastfeeding if you choose to breastfeed. It's like at the point in which you stop, it's the point in which you start to nourishing and refeeding and the length of time it took you to get to that place is the length of time it's gonna take you to heal. And I don't want us to try to speed this process up, but to recognize it, to respect it, and to honor it. And in the process of that, you're really going to support your hormones and your body for the rest of your life rather than just trying to bounce back to the healthy weight that you think you need to be at. So we we need to look at breastfeeding and pregnancy not as a time to force your body to have a better libido, but again, as a time of nurturing and nourishment, knowing that in the process of that, you will naturally regain your libido. Just look at it as a point of recalibration, building a new equilibrium. It's kind of the same thing that happens in menopause. Menopause gets a super bad rap, but in fact, it really should be one of the best times in a woman's life because we get to 
get off this cycle of, of living in a higher stress state and we get to move more into this freedom state of working more off of a 24-hour cycle. There is freedom in that and it should open up a lot of energy and create a lot of regularity to our body. So we need to have a better view of menopause Generally, the symptoms you experience in menopause are a result of how you treated your body in your cycling years. Um, And so if you're a cycling woman, know that, that this time is really important. But if you're menopause or postmenopausal, I mean, we can't get into all the hormonal changes that happen, but postmenopausal women, you should see an actual increase in your libido. You might need some more support and other things because your body's naturally going to change as we age. Lubrication, things that are really important for pleasurability are going to decline, but you can always add those external support products that really help, again, increase this drive and desire. Plus, you're going to have a more natural flow of energy, which is going to mean that your libido, as in your creativity and your ability to connect, is going to rise. That's why we see most women coming into their prime in their careers at the age of 47 to 55, and that's mostly because their body has been able to regulate. It's not quite on this roller coaster ride that it's experienced in the reproductive years of their life, um, and it creates more ability and flexibility to be open and to dream and to view life in a bigger way. So those are some natural phases. Now, some unnatural things I think that are harming our libido in massive ways, of course, is always going to boil down to the level of stress on our bodies. We have so much stress that we put on our bodies. And especially, again, when it comes to a woman's body, we're going to be very reactive to stress in general. So anytime you perceive a threat you're going to react quicker and for a longer period of time than a male counterpart might with the same level of stress. I think it's just being aware of that and recognizing that, yes, I understand we can't always change the stress in our life, nor should we try to change all of it or try to control life in a way that we don't feel stress because that's only going to add to our stress. But we have to be willing to learn how to deal with stress, how to take bad stress and make it good which really this is the mindset and the soul component of recognizing and creating practices and principles in your life where you can deal with the stress, where you can name it, to release it, um, and to have outlets and space to really refuel your body. So stress is going to be the number one reducer of libido across the board. And I think why when we talk about sexual desire, why it naturally declines throughout the course of the day is because one, your energy declines, but also your stress level increases. And so you're going to have more desire in the morning or earlier in the day than you are later in the day naturally. And that goes for men and women actually, but, um, Also recognizing that if you want to increase your libido or your desire for sexual intimacy in the evening hours, you're really going to have to start to incorporate practices that reduce stress. So maybe you take a hot bath or you pick up a book instead of scrolling on your phone. Maybe you go for an evening walk, like things that help to bring that stress level down while increasing those relaxation uh, practices are going to increase sexual drive. Because remember, our libido is being safe and secure to open up. And the only way that we can do that is if we cultivate that. Then, of course, we have dieting and exercise. And a woman's drive to be super skinny is 
is, I mean, it's totally destroying libido. Because again, body fat is an indicator of healthy reproduction. I'm not saying excess body fat because that will most often create some sort of estrogen dominance, which is going to kind of destroy your libido. Or in some cases, more often in men than than women, they'll see this insatiable desire for sex, but they won't be able to climax or it'll be not as pleasurable of or satisfying of a response. But Again, women need to have a healthy level of body fat on their bodies in order to reproduce. And the more threat that you've put on your body, the more your body's going to look for body fat in order to open up to be safe and secure. Not saying that we should all gain weight to get there, but I do I do want to make it clear that, you know, cutting calories and over-exercising, these are just destroying libido because they're taking the energy that your body needs to thrive and it's causing your body to conserve, store, hoard all of this energy. Now, I get that there's a confidence aspect of that, of like you want to look a certain way because then you'll feel more confident. But I want to challenge you on an idea. I think the confidence that you're looking for is actually going to come from your libido. It's opening up your view of life to, to be more open and to be more receiving and to be more abundant in that. And, and in the flow of energy, what's going to happen is that you're naturally going to change the way that you look without fighting it. So it's kind of the backwards approach. Rather than trying to lose weight so you can look better and feel better and think that then you're going to be more attractive or have a higher sex drive. I want you to think that maybe increasing your libido and focusing on your confidence now is actually going to change the way that you look. I mean, there is a ton of research on having a healthy sex life is actually one of the greatest ways to shift your metabolism and to look differently. So we do need to take that into account. And again, when you cut calories or over-exercise or decrease macronutrients altogether, especially glucose, which is really important in sexual desire, I mean, you're not going to have a libido. Different from men, of course, because they can get away with this and not see a lot of change. In fact, sometimes some of those activities like fasting can be really beneficial. But to a woman's drive, it tends to be lowering. So you can't take or eliminate energy from the body and expect your libido to increase. We have to always create energy. And this comes back to just paying attention to foods that fill you, that actually energize you. Not so much foods that are right or wrong, good or bad, but truly coming back to, is this food supporting my body? And am I eating enough for my body to feel supported and loved? That is going to change over the course of time. And again, it goes back to all of the energy lessons we have talked previously about in the podcast, which all link up in the show notes. But again, supporting the body. You cannot reduce energy in your body and expect your libido to respond in a positive way. Libido is always correlated to your energy levels. And so you need to make sure you're fostering a healthy, open flow of energy in order to feel like you have a strong libido. And of course, Athletic Greens is another sponsor for the summer series. I'm going to be sharing a lot about Athletic Greens over the next few weeks because I am a tried and true believer of Athletic Greens and the benefits that it offers. Now, in the last podcast, I shared all about how I underwent a five-month experiment of measuring my nutrient levels before Athletic Greens and after Athletic Greens. And what I found was quite shocking. In fact, 
Athletic Greens single-handedly increased the nutrient level inside of my body more than any other product that I've tried. Plus, it's allowed me to get rid of almost every other supplement that I was currently taking by taking one scoop a day mixed in a little bit of water that has really transformed the nutrification of my body. Now, if you're wondering how does it taste, honestly, it has the most mild taste that's slightly delicious. I actually crave it in the mornings. They say it has a mild tropical flavor, which I would have to agree with. Now, if I'm honest, I don't always get to it first thing in the morning, but I've kind of taken the bar off and said, well, it's while they say it's best in the morning, I say it's just better whenever you can get it in. So make sure you check out Athletic Greens at athleticgreens.com backslash living well. And using that link will get you one year supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash living well. Once you get it and try it out, let me know what you think and the energy you experience from one scoop daily. The last thing um, that I want to mention here that's really kind of taking away your libido is medications. I mean, we can't deny that there's a lot of medications that are changing your hormonal response in the body, changing the way that your body responds, and that's going to take your libido away. Now, we can't always control those things uh, because some of these medications are really needed to balance out other effects. I think if that's the case with you, like we see sometimes depression and anxiety meds reducing libido because it's changing your hormonal structure, I think in those times, you just need to pay attention to that, to be aware of that, and then learn how to cultivate through that. And what I mean by that is not just expecting it to come naturally, but knowing that you're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to think about it and create some kind of desire inside of your body and practices and habits and rhythms that are going to support the process which again shows that libido, sexual intimacy, sexual desire, this is a process. It's what we do in a day, not in a brief few moments at the end of the day, right? It's, it's this cultivation. It's how we show up in life. It's all of the little things that we do. And, and that, I think, is really so vital in, in our overall health is seeing the interconnectedness of everything we do as either in support of our body or working against our body. And if we can do more things that support our body, we'll become less reactive to the things that don't support it. And we'll be able to create a natural drive for that. I mean, you can think yourself into a lot of things and really you can think yourself into a better libido because what you think changes your energy more than about anything else. So medications, again, we can't always control them, but they do change your desire. Of course, birth control is one of the biggest ones. And the reason why birth control changes your desire so much is that it stops ovulation. So when we talk about your desire or your libido naturally increasing from the point of bleeding till ovulation, um, and those few weeks in there where you have a really intense or should have a really intense desire just naturally, we'll see that go away. Instead of functioning with this peak in mind, you'll function more as the last phase of your cycle where you're just a little bit more low energy. Um, you don't really have the desire, um, a little more sluggish in general. And that's again, just because the birth control has taken away the ovulatory phase and the rise in testosterone and estrogen. I mean, birth control is really a personal decision that we all have to make, but we also have to understand that there are changes that are going to occur that are going to influence our libido. 
I mean, some fascinating ones is that it does change our ability to smell pheromones or the way that we smell pheromones. So pheromones are like the scent that we all put off. And we know that a woman's scent um, or, you know, uh, your spouse can be, a man can become highly aroused by the scent of a female that they love and it increases their testosterone levels and vice versa. We become attracted to a man's scent. And when what happens with birth control is it changes our ability to sense or smell. Um, and so when people kind of come off birth control, it can change their desire or their arousal for their spouse just because it changed the scent. We'll talk about that in a different day, but there is some really fascinating information out there. And again, it's not to say that's right or wrong. I think you need to determine that for yourself, but we do need to be aware of the consequences and the side effects of some medications and determine their worth inside the body because we can do a lot naturally. So so those are some of the things that are really decreasing our arousal and decreasing our libido. When it comes to supporting our libido and fostering it, like I say, I just keep pumping nourishment, 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 nourishment. Our body needs to be nurtured. It needs support. It needs good nourishment as in food, as in healthy exercise practices, relationships, being able to connect, physical touch, even self-massage is really, really, really great at enhancing our natural flow of energy, enhancing the hormones that drive our libido. So we should just constantly be focusing on what are those energy fillers? What are those things in my life that actually make me feel good? And I'm not talking instantaneously good, but over the long haul that are really filling me up. And then a few other things, we just need to be aware of our stressors in our life, you know, paying attention to how much stress we have. And instead of using that as a metric of success to just, you know, end the the common idea that, you know, stress is the only way that we're going to be successful and start to see it as how can I manage this or change my perspective of this? Or what can I add to this or take away so that I don't feel so overwhelmed by this? Stress is huge. You will never have a libido if you're excessively stressed. We can't expect our body to, nor is it healthy for our body to. And so just paying attention to that and starting to change our views and our ideas of stress. Then I think we need to change and expand our definition of sex. Again, sex is not just a physical act that takes roughly two to seven minutes is what most people spend in the act of physical sex, but we need to expand that to see outside of that, to see it's not just about how we touch each other or the act of penetration, but it's how we connect with people. It's how we show up. It's are we being creative? It's how are we being our best version of ourselves today? And connecting with someone else. Like when it comes to connecting with your spouse and having great physical intimacy, that involves communication. It involves having fun in life. It involves laughter and doing things together. It involves physical touch. It involves kind of teasing each other or getting each other aroused throughout the day. Not the instantaneous moment of that. And in the end, it also means opening up to be loved. In some way, in order to be fully aroused, we have to be safe enough and feel secure enough in ourselves and in other people to allow that to happen. 
And I think that comes down to, again, finding time for you, finding space to learn about you and to nourish yourself and to nourish the relationships in your life, to nourish your soul and your mind, and also the ability to just enjoy life. Because more than most things, enjoying life is going to change the entire picture of your life, including boosting your libido. I feel like this information might be like drinking from a fire hose. So I want to take this in strides. There's one more topic that I do want to talk about before we go. And I think this is just kind of putting the cherry on top of of sexual wellness. And then I'm going to wrap it up. But I know this is a lot and it's a lot to take in. And again, I just hope you're getting the picture that your libido is so much more than the act of sex itself, but it's your entire scope of your life coming together. It's the full connection of your wholeness and it's the process of how you show up in the world. Now, the last thing that I want to talk on um, that really is a, a player in sexual intimacy and your libido is your vaginal health. Now, there are a lot of statistics out there that show that women are not orgasming, that they're not finding sex pleasurable. In some cases, sex is just downright painful. If you fall into the category that sex is painful, you need to speak to someone in the healthcare profession that can help you figure out what is going on. Sex should not be painful. It should always be a pleasurable experience. And I think we need to really hone in on that because I think sex is often thought of, um, especially sometimes even when we get into the Christian space and purity culture, like we talked about last week, is this idea that it's all about men's pleasure over a woman's comfort. And, And I think that that narrative has to end. We have to understand that sex is supposed to be pleasurable for both sexes, not just one. It should be equally, if not more pleasurable for the woman than the man. That is something we cannot ignore any longer. Yes, your husband desires sexual intimacy, but so should you at an equal matter. And in the process of that, it should be equally as pleasurable for you as for them. And I think if it's not on either sex, we need to be aware of that to address that and take care of the situation because there could be more underlying underneath the surface. If sex is not pleasurable for you, get help and stop having sex for a period of time until you can figure it out. But I think this goes back to vaginal health and understanding that the vaginal region of a female is incredibly sophisticated and completely amazing. And we need to be taking care of our vaginal region, of our lady parts, just as much as we take care of any other place on our body. It's not high maintenance, but we do need to be aware of it and nurture it. Now, I think sometimes um, uh, we get fearful about natural things like the smell of our vagina and the discharge that we have. And I just want to normalize the fact that every single vagina has a smell and most are unique to the person. Now, if that smell changes or it becomes different, again, that requires care from your physician to make sure that that's okay or there's not more going on under the surface. But they all have a smell and that's not bad. That's good. In fact, most men actually like the smell of vaginas, even though you might think it's gross or been told it's gross. It's actually one of those processes that increases the male's arousal and testosterone. So we do not need to be afraid of this. 
Yes, the smell and the discharge is going to change throughout your cycle. And I think this is really fascinating because it serves a purpose. Remember, your body does nothing without serving a purpose. So the smell and also the discharge that's being produced is serving a purpose. It actually is vaginal microbiome, and we have a cervical microbiome that are quite similar, maybe a little bit different. Um, But what this is doing is it's really protecting and cleaning out your vaginal region so that it stays healthy, so that it stays clean and able to conceive if that's what you're looking to do. So what happens when we discharge or we start to reach ovulation is that generally your discharge is going to increase to the point of ovulation. And the purpose of that discharge, it's going to slightly change the pH to make it more suitable to house sperm. It's also going to be food for the sperm as it waits to get to the egg or waits to conceive an egg, which can take three to five days. It's also going to get rid of sperm that is not healthy or wanted, and it's also going to get rid of other foreign invaders that are really harming your body. So it's kind of this process that it's going to help carry the sperm to the egg to help nourish it on the way there, but it's also going to help get rid of what is unnecessary, unclean, or not wanted inside the body. It is serving a purpose. Now, when we see discharge increase through ovulation, obviously that's the time when your body needs more support there. But outside of that, we can also see our discharge increase after um, someone ejaculates inside of you or after you you go through the menstrual process or you insert things into your vaginal region. Your body has to clean that out and it will increase the discharge in order to basically flush the system and get rid of all the unwanted things inside of you. So we'll see that anytime anything foreign, quote unquote foreign, goes inside your body that your discharge is going to increase and it probably will change the smell of that as well because the smell is actually a change in pH or your microbiome. Those are all natural and necessary things. Of course, if it's different or if it feels concerning, always get it checked out. But we should know that those are not unnatural things. But there are things that are hurting our vaginal care. um, And that could be synthetic products like tampons or pads during your menstrual cycle. It could be different lubrication. Sometimes condoms can be overly irritating. It could be um, also just a reaction to the semen or the sperm of another man. And that also is really fascinating to me. And what we're going to talk about uh, in a later podcast is how we can increase our drive for fertility or increase the chances of fertility by decreasing the amount of times a man ejaculates inside of a woman, because that can actually increase inflammation and discharge that's naturally going to throw your vaginal discharge out of balance causing it to push more of the semen out of your body rather than receiving it and helping transfer it to the egg. So we have to take care of our lady parts. And I have a whole post over at The Living Well that's going to help you do this. So I'm gonna leave all of that information over there since this podcast is getting really long. But it really just is respecting that part of you, paying attention to it, and supporting it in the best ways that you can. I have all of those details over at the podcast at thelivingwell.com. So make sure you check that out. But all in all, as we wrap up this podcast, again, I'm going to say it over and over. 
Your libido is not just eluding you. It's not something you have to find in outside sources. It's in you. It's just how are you cultivating that or nourishing and supporting it? And that's so critical in the overall health of our body. Remember, your libido is how you show up in the world. It's your creativity, your ability to dream and connect with other people. And yes, your sexual desire and and drive for sexual intimacy. Those are really critical in the overall health of your body. But the only way to truly increase your libido is yes, by nurturing your body, but also creating that safe and welcoming place to be open and receiving. That's really what it's gonna take is a sense of safety. And I fear too many women are not living with that. We've had pain and trauma and we feel overwhelmed and stressed by the ways of the world that it's going to feel impossible to get your libido back. But we have to work on it because healthy sexual wellness will change the health of your body. It is essential in longevity and vibrancy and really helping to reduce aging. So we need to have a healthy, positive sexual desire And even if you're not sexually active or you're single, I want you to know that the drive for libido and your desire for sexual intimacy can equally be channeled into healthy directions of creativity and connectedness with other people in a non-sexual way, which I think is so cool that God gave us the desire, but he also gave us a way to control it or channel it into an equally healthy direction as it relates to our ability to show up in the world. And I think that's so cool and not something that I knew back in the day when I had intense sexual desire for my boyfriend, who is now my husband, um, that felt out of control. And how do you control that? You control that by learning how to channel that into healthy directions, knowing sexual desire is connection, it's creativity, it's opening up to the world, not necessarily just in sexual desire for sexual intimacy. I have an interview coming up um, on this series that we're going to dive more into that and how to do that. Um, But for now, I know this is a big podcast. I hope it was beneficial for you. I'm doing this because I believe in you and I believe you have what you need that's inside of you. We just need to learn how to live that out. So make sure you head on over to thelivingwell.com to get all the information on today's show notes, the resources that we talked about inside the show, and more blogs that are inside the sex series. Again, you can find all of that information at thelivingwell.com backslash the sex talk. While you're there, don't forget to download the free sexual wellness guide and also leave a rating and review. I know it sounds silly and you get asked a lot, but this really does mean the world to me as it helps other people who wouldn't otherwise know about Made for Living Well and the sexual wellness series to find it and join this community of like-minded people who are here for real and lasting health. Again, you can find that over at the blog at thelivingwell.com or at thelivingwell.com backslash review. Okay, that's it for today's show. Make sure you share it with your friends and family and join us next week as we dive into men's libido. Yes, that's right. The next episode is all about male libido, hormones, and so much more. And it's not just for the men. This is for everyone. Okay, I'll see you back here next week.